The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. I am Professor Snipe, and this is the Potterhood Podcast with Nico Wright and Will Poznan. You're here to enjoy the subtle science and exact art of podcasting. As there's a little foolish wand waving here, many of you will hardly believe this is magic. However, for those select few who possess the predisposition, enjoy the show. <laughs> Check, 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 check. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to welcome you back to another episode of Part of the Podcast. I'm Nico White. I'm Will Posnan. And this is episode... 15 of the quarantine. This is episode 15 of the quarantine series of the Part of the Podcast. First of all, Will, let's not even waste any time. What's the first <laughs> thing we sorting, bro? We're sorting... I'm already going to proclaim this the song of the summer... Uh, WAP by Cardi B and Me- Megan V. Stallion. WAP. Recording the song. WAP. Before we sort the song, let's take a moment. <laughs> let's take a moment. Fellas, if you're out there, let's take a moment to appreciate Cardi B, appreciate Megan The Stallion for what they did for the culture when they put out this video. <laughs> I don't know where you were, Will, when it came out, but um, I was sitting here in the house. Been here for four months. I ain't lucky like Will. I ain't married. I ain't lucky like Max. I ain't in a relationship. My girl ain't just here running around. You know what I mean? Let me tell you something. When that video came out, I'll just leave it at that. (laughs) I'll just leave it at that. All I'm going to say is thank God for Cardi B and for Megan Thee Stallion. And for all you folks that have something negative to say about the video, all you folks that have a problem with how they displaying themselves, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. For me, personally, just me. I'll let everybody else speak for everybody else. But uh, for Nico White, shut up. <laughs> shut up. Shut up. Shut up. First of all, Cardi B is a mom and a great mom at that. First of all, Okay. A kid is taken care of, more than taken care of. I got, I'm getting tired of you people talking about, oh, she a bad example, bad example for who? She's a rich woman that's proud of her body. Get over it. Megan Thee Stallion, she's a, she a lady got, that got shot in her foot and kept on moving. You see the move? <laughs> <laughs> so, say all that to say, it's the best part of the summer that I had. You know what yes. I mean? I was promised, I was not promised anything, but I was supposed to do something special this year, and watching that video was the most special thing I've done. So, again, <laughs> me personally, I want to thank Megan B. Stallion and Cardi B for that video. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, I couldn't agree more. I think that that <laughs> song was a high point of anybody's summer. I mean, it's it's just so fucking fun and so much more than just fun. Uh, yeah, let, and, let, and let them folks have their fun, fam. Yeah, if you're criticizing that song, you're either a killjoy or you are simply in your own feelings about... <laughs> that, 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 that song. <laughs> oh, no, we can't play that song. That song is it's too explicit. Oh, shut your party pooping ass up. Shut up. Nobody, uh, nobody is acting differently because of that song. That song is just providing a soundtrack to some of our greatest Americans. A hundred percent. And let our patriots be our patriots. God bless America and everywhere else. Look, all of those outfits in the video come with matching masks. uh, Masks. (laughs) Can we, man, can we edit in me? Not No, let's keep it. Let's keep me stuttering. 
Ugh. Okay, so uh, yeah, they all come with masks. Oh, that would have been a good line if I hadn't tripped up on it. It's all uh, good. Try it again. So all of those outfits in the video come with matching masks. Man, and I'm all glad the I never of outfits come with matching masks. Let them <laughs> girls be themselves. You yeah. saw that the the lady from Tiger, uh, what Tiger King? She yeah. was mad that they used tigers in the video. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you how little fuck I give about what uh, the lady from Tiger <laughs> King had to say. I don't know her name. I don't know her occupation. I don't know what she does. I ain't never seen Tiger King, Tiger Queen, Tiger Princess, Tiger Empress. <laughs> fuck these people. That video is the best part of my summer. I hope and they have I'm a sequel. It, and I'm sorting it in the Slytherin. Okay. Because I think they knew exactly what they were doing. I think Cardi and Megan both worked with each other and they understand because they're both, um, especially Cardi, they're complicated people. Yes. You know what I'm saying? They're not just positive, positive people. They're positive, neutral, or chaotic, neutral, depending on when you catch them. You know, because Cardi is who she is now, but Cardi B definitely still has an inner if you cross her the wrong way. You can, you might can get dealt with. So um, I want to say this about Cardi too, and tell me, because I, I don't think anyone said this, and I'm pretty okay. Cardi B, no female rapper in the history of hip hop has been more generous with her spotlight for other female rappers. I I'd, I'd agree. You have people like uh, Missy Elliott and um, Little Kim that are close, but um, yeah, I'd agree. Well. well Missy, for sure. Missy put on a lot of, like, she shared her spotlight with a lot of other females. I don't remember uh, Lil' Kim doing songs with other female rappers. I'm sure she, Everybody she had songs with Foxy Brown. And, okay. She just oh, she like did. Five. Oh, okay. And obviously, one, yeah. She has one with, um, shoot. I know Missy and the Brad are on it. Okay. Yeah. And again, and, even Lil' Kim, this is the 90s, and I remember I was young once, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> Lil' Kim. She was nasty. So, you know, whatever, whatever. Oh, Lil' Kim's the best. Again. So these people that act like they've never seen this before, it's like, you're 40. That means you remember yeah. when Lil' Kim first came out. You remember that poster with her and the lollipop? I mean, yeah. how could you not? <laughs> I, I, come on, dog. If that come was on. wallpaper, my house would have a very different ambiance. Come on, fam. I'm just saying black lights were in the crib. You know what? This is my Harry Potter. This is a Potterhood. But for me, I'm sorting um WAP or WAP, whatever it is. I think it's WAP I'm because Cardi, that's how Cardi pronounces it. However she pronounces it is the correct way, but I'm definitely putting it in Slytherin. So I, uh, I'm going to go with Ravenclaw just because the title yeah. is no hold on wait please please regale me and what makes it ravenclaw please okay this is how smart the title is the title is an acronym and an onomatopoeia so everybody knows Tell the acronym well how's an acronym what it stand for uh I, I mean i'm not a fucking politician i'm not embarrassed to say that it stands for wet ass pussy i mean that's what it stands mm-hmm. for that's like common knowledge i'm not gonna shy away from i love like the people that are like it they stands for like, wet ass they act like they the pope when it when it comes to the title <laughs> what's the title oh, 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 oh. Mm. Uh, who the fuck is listening to it a hundred times i heard yeah <laughs> and scared to say yeah people are like i heard of this song and they bleep yeah. out the a they're like w asterisk p on their twitter and it's like yeah <laughs> like well, what song do you it's like you could just either type out the letters or just say what it is. Dude, I don't Funny understand exclamation points, fam. Somebody needs to explain to me why politicians think it's okay on Twitter to go into detail about war and death and destruction and then when it comes to profanity they like asterisks out the i and bullshit and they're like oh people don't need to see that whole word and it's and this is why we in the sad sad situation that we in we care too much about things that don't matter and we don't care enough about things that actually mean something but so let me say the onomatopoeia of as of, we're of here why. on the harry potter podcast <laughs> Ball of the Potterhood, baby, and no other podcast anywhere else. My favorite, my favorite moment so far was when you're like, "Look, if I'm gonna let other people, they're entitled to their opinion, but first, shut up." 
<laughs> okay, so the onomatopoeia. America, the onomatopoeia is uh, the onomatopoeia is, and this is the lyric that lets you know what the onomatopoeia is. It, Cardi B goes wap 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 macaroni in a pot. So wap sounds like macaroni in the pot, but it also sounds like something else. So all you, I mean, that's the sound if, that if is any, the if title. Anybody doesn't get what a uh, macaroni in a pot when you stir macaroni. If you ever hit a chick, that's like, look, yeah. you don't yeah. somebody people that is something. Look, we should say spoilers before that. If you're listening. <laughs> You'll find out on your own at some point in your life, and it'll be one of the better days of your life. So just and then go watch. Uh, I think it was Boomerang with John Witherspoon. Goes macaroni, macaroni. <laughs> yeah, this is kind of like this is already uh, my favorite episode of the podcast we've ever done. I mean, and this that's is, saying a lot. It might this be is a lot of episodes. Yeah, it might be the least Harry Potter. Okay, so Ravenclaw. So there's that angle. So I like that the the title is an acronym and an onomatopoeia. I also like that. I mean, it's just so brilliant that Cardi like Cardi stole the summer from really from Takashi, and she did it because Thank there's God. Yes. Thank, Thank God in all of her eminent glory for Cardi B for Megan Thee Stallion for their um, contributions and for everything that happened. For everything that happened. It's a beautiful statement because, you know, Takashi's the king of drama and the king of antics. And at the end of the day, antics can't compare to sex. Nothing compares to it. It always wins. You can't compare to the intent of a good woman. You understand? That's the intent of a good lady. Those two good women... They wanted to do something to effect everybody's culture, not asset. They wanted to effect the culture. They did something great, and I think they should be appreciated for it. All right, let's I play, appreciate it. For let's it. play this game real quick. Let's Shoot. try to predict how certain uh, Harry Potter characters, We're especially a video. Yeah, like it's, I'm especially Hermione would think it was absolute. Garbage. But she would come around. I think she would come around. Initially, she would be like, so, no. To, I nah. think, I, yeah. I think Jenny would come around. I think Luna would be all for it. I think Neville would watch that video all the time. <laughs> I think, Ron would uh, watch Jamie's- it, but he'd be, he'd be embarrassed that he watched it. Who? Ron. Ron would be like, who? Embarrassed? Ron. So he- Weasley? You crazy? <laughs> you lost the marbles? Embarrassed what? Hagrid would be singing the lyrics to his classic. <laughs> Hagrid gonna have a bunch of half giant women in the forest twerking for him. <laughs> Whatever wizarding money is, uh, Hagrid McGonagall gonna be somewhere like this is hedonist. This must stop. Meanwhile, her and Flitwick in the uh, astronomy <laughs> tower somewhere doing they thing. Percy would be the one tweeting about how angry he is about it. Oh, for sure. For sure. Percy would be like, this is destructive of wizard culture. Because his girl wouldn't be able to dance to the song. That's why. <laughs> Penelope Clearwater would be off rhythm. <laughs> I mean, if he get in the Clearwater, it might be the same thing. <laughs> That's true. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't had this much fun on the podcast that often, fam. Forgive me. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I, I think Hagrid, but Luna that's and the best Tonks. part about that song because a lot of times, you know, with the way people talk about relations now in general, people act like only one side of the coin exists, right? They act like every dude is a certain way, that like every woman is a certain way, and that's not the case. Woman like Cardi B, woman like um, Megan Thee Stallion, they have energy. They had the type of energy if they want it, they probably going to come grab it. <laughs> they probably going to come grab it. There ain't going to be a whole lot of conversation. You know what I'm saying? You got to give them a hard no or it's definitely a yes. Everybody ain't just like me and what? No, everybody ain't like that. So sometimes you get something that's like that in your face. Yeah, in your no? face like Megan's anime lyric. You're, she's got the anime lyric in there. There you go. Megan, uh, Megan Thee Stallion, if you ever listen to the Pot of the Podcast, we'd love to have you on. Talk. And I have another podcast that talks anime, Megan Thee Stallion. It's um, called One Piece of Mind with Nico White. Look it up sometime. Let's talk One Piece and such. 
Sorry. What were we talking about? We were talking about uh, various characters' reactions. I think we got most of them. Dumbledore would be a big fan. He would be a big fan. I also do think that uh, Voldemort would be a fan. (laughs) Yo, let me tell you something. The only way he'd be a fan, Bellatrix would have to dance to that song. And she would. I mean, and Narcissus. He gonna walk in the Malfoy (laughs) manner. One more, one more, you know what? It's been boring the last couple of weeks. Narcissa. <laughs> Lucius is just have Lucius, about this song. <laughs> that song looks like it takes place in Malfoy Manor. <laughs> Bro, it might. You never know who Cardi B's in touch with. It just might. Um, <laughs> you open one of the fun. doors, it's just Dobby dancing to the song. <laughs> They recorded that in platform nine and three quarters, fam. <laughs> Welcome to the Potter Hood, ladies and gentlemen. This is a fun episode. I hope y'all are having fun with us. The siren's going to pass me where I'm at because apparently there's a fire somewhere, but don't worry about that. I'm sure that'll be taken care of. Ah, what's the next segment, Will? Uh, which school year was Harry's least favorite? Okay, Wanted I'm going to let you lead on that one, fam. I think it's I, Chamber I, of Secrets. I think I have a good one. I think that there's a lot of candidates. I think sometimes we forget because they're so fun for us that Harry uh, had a lot of stress, a lot more than he needed. I mean, there's a lot of candidates now that I think about it. Like even Prisoner of Azkaban is a rough one. You got Dementors everywhere. He's Mm -hmm. worried that he's going to have to fight grown serious. Like that was that was Harry at his dumbest, being like, "I'm in second grade and I'll fight serious black." But uh. Yeah, I think it's – now I think it's Prisoner of Azkaban. Is, and I think Chamber of Secrets was the second most difficult. But, yeah, I would say Prisoner of Azkaban. All right. So you say Prisoner of Azkaban. I would say um, <laughs> Chamber of Secrets, right? Just because right before, right before everything got super bad in the later ones – Imagine coming into a world and being the cat's meow that first year, mm-hmm. right? You're everybody's hero. You're everybody's star. And that's coming from a place where you had nothing. You had no, the Dursleys were treating them like less than garbage. You feel me? So you had no enrichment anywhere else to even exist. Now you come to a place where you're front and center. And not only are you front and center, but you found friends. You found a community of people that actually praise you for just existing. Harry Potter got to be a rock star. Then you go back to the one place that's supposed to be your salvation. Not only is it not your salvation, but people think you're the one doing it. Mm. And your friends are directly involved. Hermione got popped. Ron's sister got taken. And it all went the way it went. But imagine being that age, thinking that, I know for me, thinking that your best friend lost his sister, and that might creep into their mind that you might have something to do with this. And Harry, actually, that's one way J.K. Rowling wrote him. And in those earlier books, he's very mature in how he handled a lot of that stuff. That's true. You know, but I definitely think in that second book where, you know, a lot of the help was hands-off. And it's not the hands-off that it was later in, in the books. Later in the books, he knows what to expect out of people like Dumbledore, out of people that work in the school. But in those early books, he's brand new to magic, much less the greatest wizard in the world, whatever, treating him any sort of way. Because I don't even think him and Dumbledore's relationship was truly, um, and forgive me if I'm wrong, but I don't think it was that fleshed out in the first two books. I think it was more like principal and young student. It wasn't a lot of, you know, um, private praise or special treatment. 100%. So for those reasons, I'm going to go with the second book because who could Harry really trust? And again, when I think about it, if I put myself in that situation, that would have been the hardest for me. Because in the second book, it's like, okay, I've already been introduced to something like murder or extreme... Um, extreme doubt in me because basically everything that he experienced in the second book was everything that he got after that just at a higher level everything ended up being a chamber of secrets just with consequences 
nobody died in the chamber of secrets, but the gobble the fire is just a chamber of secrets for consequences. Jenny was Cedric Diggory. And this time yeah. Cedric Diggory died. That's a great point. I mean, that's, that's exactly it. And then uh, who would be the, Herm- well, I guess it's, it's very similar because you even have a defense against the dark arts teacher. Who's a fraud in both of those. It's in yeah. different ways, but in the first one, you think this guy is this like celebrity, brilliant wizard, and he sucks. And then the second one, you think this this guy is this celebrity, brilliant, brilliant wizard, wizard, and he's a different one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but he's on the wrong side. Mm-hmm. Just like the first time, he was on the wrong side. Yes. And it took the kids to get him exposed, just like it took Harry to get him exposed this time. Those books really are very similar. So I'm trying to think what would be the, there's not, oh, you know who would be like the Hermione or like the warning sign? Remember in the very beginning of Goblet of Fire, he has the nightmare where the, I think it's um, the Muggle Studies professor dies. Mm -hmm. That's like the same thing as Hermione getting a hit with the basculus. Hey, you know what's funny? What? I isn't, and again, I, the most thing I've seen recently as far as the um, Goblet of Fire, you know, and it's insanity because we had this podcast. I need to go back and reread all the books <laughs> front of that. I'm sorry, I apologize, y'all. But how is it that they never took that into account that Harry dreamed that somebody died that died? Well, the thing is he told Dumbledore, but, and Dumbledore already knew that Voldemort was back. He was just mm-hmm. like, it's a given, but... Yeah, I guess guess they just didn't want the drama of going through the government. I don't know. That was was weird. That's a great point. I don't know why they didn't relay that to the government. It just doesn't make sense. Hey, Cornelius, um, Harry about to tell you 15 people that are dead, that are dead or missing at least. And um, yeah, Voldemort's back. All right, you go check on those 15 people still missing? Yeah. Uh, Oh, you found their bodies? Yeah, remember how we (laughs) took them? That actually, so that leads to a really interesting question about uh, Dumbledore and Fudge, which is, do you think that if Dumbledore had handled things perfectly on his end, Fudge would have responded any different? You know what? Yes, I think, um, hey, man, I think Dumbledore is one of those complicated people. And I know like Justin Z would get mad, probably (laughs) mad at us for uh, this. But I do think Dumbledore may not have wanted the job of Minister of Magic but I think Dumbledore had a thing for showing up people like the Minister of Magic. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Or it's like, no, I'm smarter than you. Yeah, I'm the headmaster of Hogwarts, and I, I feel that. I know that, but I'm, I'm still smarter. Than you. Oh, 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 you don't think so? Well, allow me to stun on you right quick. <laughs> Dumbledore had that type of energy the whole time because, again, you knew too much this type of, I think, very pertinent information to people above you for the sake of the wisdom and world. But again, maybe Dumbledore knew something that um, I don't know. Because again, no, I, I we talk about Harry Potter, but we aren't, you know, we don't claim to be experts. We're fans. Well, I think that uh, Dumbledore was just, it was like basic paranoia with government where if he knew something, he was like, I'm better off with me knowing it than me true. and the government knowing it. True. And like how many times I've seen y'all be corrupt? How many times did people like Grindelwald get uh? get on the inside how many people were working for Voldemort and then Dumbledore has that strange um not autonomy but he has that strange um insight on seeing what it is because he he raises it from the time that it starts it's he also master of the school he got that shit from his dad on some level because his dad goes to jail to protect his sister's secret his dad's like I injured those muggle boys rather right. than tell the truth which is that you know, his sister is, I forget the term, but it's like the people that do their magic with uncontrollably. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, my God. It's on the tip of my tongue. I forget the name, too. But um, it's not Squib. Max, could you uh, look up what you call those people? Thank you, brother. I, I know they're like a pivotal part of yeah, the Yeah, they're a pivotal part of the uh, Harry movie. Potter world, as a matter of fact. But it's funny yeah. that you mentioned that, bro, because 100%. It's um. It actually make what you said. It makes it all make sense now, because for Dumbledore, yeah. it might be like the last time we told the truth or we didn't tell the truth 
it's the only reason I got to be what I am or my family got to be what it is. And for Dumbledore, that's all he knows. So he might be just as paranoid as somebody like a Mad-Eye Moody. Yeah. Hmm. Fair. So Will Posner breaking the ground, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Round of applause for Will Posner. So, uh, yeah, I think that – I do think the second and third years are probably his roughest year. He also learns to cope through them. And at the end of the second book – and then again at the end of the third book, like at the end of, at the end of each book, he has a conversation with Dumbledore. Harry does, and at the end of each book, he trusts him, or he has a little bit closer of a relationship with him than in the previous book. But it's funny because I reread book one like about two months ago, and uh, in book one, and then also in book two, there's just all these conversations among Harry, Ron, and Hermione where they're like. So we kind of have figured out what this thing is that's happening. Should we yeah. tell Dumbledore? And they're all like, no, we don't want to worry. He's got enough to worry about without having right. to, you know. And they've also solved the basilisk thing and stuff. Well, I mean, Sam, think about it. Think about it. Dumbledore has to see each and every single side of this whole coin from kids when they start. He got to know that Voldemort was crazy when he met Tom Riddle. Yeah. He had to know that they could go that route from an early time and not act on it. Because, see, I'm the type of person, I feel like if you meet Hitler, get Hitler out of here. Yes. Right? But who's to say when you're in those moments, when you're in these positions and you meet these people, who are you to really make that judgment? So for all the crap that we give Dumbledore, oh, you've seen, you seen what he was back then. But, yeah, people change. Who do you Even think in Harry Potter's uh, books, they proved that with somebody like Cedric Diggory. You know what I mean? The whole time we thought Cedric was this character that only goes one way, that's positive. Meanwhile, I showed if he lived, he'd have been right on Voldemort's side, killing Neville. <laughs> so it's people had people are dark and light. Yeah. Cedric Diggory is a dark horse candidate for somebody who would have not liked the song WAP, but <laughs> Kept it quiet once he realized how unpopular that decision was. What do you think his hardest year in Hogwarts was? I'm going to say uh, <laughs> if he lived, whatever year he killed Neville. That would have been a rough one. Yeah. Well, that, w- that happens, I guess, when they're both adults, I think. Right? I don't know. All that stuff is like, I don't have it committed to memory the same way as like for anyone that um, listens to the Potterhood, do us a favor. Um, let if you know um, the like the story story of Curse Shout, holla at us. We'd actually love to have you on. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I would love to talk to somebody who loves Curse Child. A lot of people like it, but I don't know anybody that. I mean, I would love to talk to somebody who loves it. Um, yeah, we still got to try to get the uh, the people to put it together on here. Yeah. There's no we working on that, y'all. <laughs> Along with some other exciting things. But we'll tell y'all about that later. Who, what do you think Ron's, um, Ron's worst year was? I think it was Goblet of Fire because Ron is so petty and just in his own feelings. Mm-hmm. And Goblet of Fire, the first half he spends jealous of Harry. The second half he spends jealous of Victor Crumb. And he's repressed it so hard that he can't even admit to himself that he's jealous of Victor Crumb and it's just eating away at him. Fam, you know what I think it is? I think it's, um, I don't even think it's a particular book. I think it's a period. Um, Order the Phoenix through the last book. Okay. Worst he is in Ron's life. Yeah, Order the Phoenix. And why, why do you think that? And the reason that I think that is because in order to Phoenix, that's when Ron's family started to become casualties of everything. You know what I mean? So in order to Phoenix, you had Arthur Weasley getting attacked by Nagini. Now, it's different when your friends are getting attacked. It means something completely opposite when it's your dad. By yeah. sure, his sister got attacked in the second book. But it was one of those things where Ron got to, got to be a part of saving her. As far as going down to the Chamber of Secrets, he got to be active in it. In the fifth book, no, fam. Your dad was just doing his job and almost got murked. 
Yeah. Now I can't imagine. This is one of those pressures that I talk about. Um, I remember we did episode once, and I was like, you know, how would you be if we lived in a certain type of society, right? Imagine knowing that you're a pure blood wizard going against somebody like Voldemort, and Voldemort's opponent is your best friend. And a way to save your family would it be to give up this one person? Because yeah. your family's starting to drop off. And under any other circumstances in Ron's um, life, as far as the stats are concerned, they would be treated just fine. The purebloods. Well, okay, so... But I think the Weasleys are seen as blood traitors, though. I just think that the Weasleys are all, with the exception of Percy... Well, even Percy, because at the end he comes around, they're all so fucking brave, and it can't be understated that most people are wired like Xenophilius Lovegood, where it's like... 100%. You just got to protect your family at the end of the day. But, like, I really think it comes from Molly. Molly's at the core of the ideology, and Arthur just loves Molly, so he goes with it. But, like, there is just something different about the Weasleys. Man, I think... I'm going to actually give it some thought. I'm going to write out an essay, and then we're going to come on here, and I'm going to actually talk about this, but... I almost think that the story of Harry Potter was the story of Ron Weasley's fan. Or of the Weasley. A, a story of the Weasleys. Yeah. Because you can't, if you take that family out of this, this whole story becomes different. Yeah. Of course, if you take Harry out, it's different. You can say the same for Hermione. But if you take out the Weasleys, I think Harry dies 150 more times than gonna, if you take out any other characters. And I was going to say that I was going to ask, who do you think was Dumbledore's favorite student before Harry showed up? And in my mind, the answer was Fred and George are his favorites. Fred and George were his favorites, you think? Because he knows like what, what people are about. And at the end of the day, Fred and George are going to be on the side of good in every single universe. Right. True. Hmm. I don't They're know. Like the least corruptible. They're the outside of Molly. They are probably mm-hmm. the most purely good Weasleys, whereas like Ginny and Ron have a little bit of a clout chasing tendency. <laughs> you think so? I think Arthur's a little more pure than Molly sometimes, man. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, you're right. Yeah. Arthur's right there for sure. I th- I think they um I think they're fifty percent of the same coin. But again, I think it's dark and light. I think Arthur's willing to do some of the shiksy stuff, and I think Molly's only willing to go that route if her kids are on the line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Good conversation thus far. What are we jumping into next? Or should we should we talk about anybody else who had um who anybody else's worst years was? Uh yeah. Well, okay. So I was gonna ask you this when you said that it was the story of the Weasleys because I don't think we've ever brought this idea up. Do you think that Ron might be a better minister of magic than Hermione? Yes. Yeah, tell me why. I think I agree with you, but tell me why. So the reason why I say yes is because Ron has experienced each and every single thing you can experience by being a part of war, a prisoner of war, a casualty a casualty to war, and a survivor of war. Ron's seen it all. Ron's not like Harry and Hermione with like, oh, let's just keep using ex- uh, expelling armors. <laughs> no, Ron ain't like that. Ron was ready to be on some, oh, so uh, we fighting for our lives? Let's start at Crucio and then be over with. Or let's at least start at stunning these people, right? There's a firmness with Ron that makes sense considering what he lost. And I think Ron has the actual gravity because he lost people to know, okay, don't overreact in this situation, don't overreact in that situation, or overreact in this situation because he lost somebody. Mm-hmm. So I think it's I think it's great. I don't know if he has the uh, see I was about to say I don't know if Ron has the street smarts but I think he would have more street smarts. Yeah. Cause see Ron Ron when it came to the vanishing cabinet in um book six when they were killing Dumbledore, Ron was already suspicious. Mm-hmm. He put two and two together actually a lot quicker than most people did. Because Harry and Hermione didn't really want to think that Draco was a um, part of the Death Eaters, remember? And Ron was on it immediately. Yep. So I think in some cases you need somebody that's like that that's also a good person in that position more than you do somebody that's 
so so smart practically you know, you know i think that uh and I, I agree with all of that and i think one other aspect to it too is that ron's failed like most notably yes. with the horcruxes but over and over i mean even in quidditch matches like ron has failed and harry's failed too mm-hmm. i think hermione would be a better minister of magic than harry but yes the I thing agree. that that separates ron from hermione is that he's had these big failings that he had to, that were really humbling and he had yep. to apologize for and that yep. would give him a better understanding of your average witcher wizard and make him I when's just the think last it, time hermione's been corrupted yeah when's the last time hermione's been wrong When's the last time Hermione had to apologize because her decision could have cost everybody else their lives? She's usually saving everybody's life. At the end of the day, it seems like Hermione thinks that she should be Minister of Magic just because she's better at magic than everybody else. And well, she is that's better not, than everybody else. Yeah, but that's not the basis. That's not even part of what makes somebody good at the job of Minister of Magic. Like. Who knows right. if Rufus Scrimgeour or Fudge or any of them were good at magic. Uh, yeah. Whereas, you know, if Hermione were an aura, she'd be the greatest aura ever. Like, that's... And she that's could be the funny a professor, thing how, she could be an aura. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's she'd be a lot happier. how they all turned out, is that even as we sit here and we hypothesize that, I can see Hermione becoming an um, aura, right? But I can't see Harry being one. It makes yes. no sense to me. I see Harry becoming more the teacher or something like that. I see Ron I think doing Harry the should be a Quidditch, magic thing. I think he should be a Quidditch player or a Quidditch co- Like, just involved in Quidditch. Even that, fine. Yeah. Even that works. But again, to make Harry a cop, it's like the kid's been fighting evil wizards before he was old enough to remember anything. I'll Why give you a... want to keep going in that direction as far as life is concerned? Here's another job I think Harry would be good at that nobody thinks of him for is like right. a uh, involved in magical creatures in some capacity. Like mm-hmm. he's great with, Hedwig, great with Buckbeak. He's great. Yeah. I think like yeah. even more, more in line with what, uh, with great what Charlie line does. To see come to fruition. And then the other thing I think Harry would actually be great at is like a diplomat between magical communities. Like you look at what he does with Dobby Imagine what he could do devoting his career to like centaur relations or giant relations or mer people relate like Harry would that's what Harry should have been doing. It's like he should have been like the Anthony Bourdain of wizards. Yeah. Bridging gaps. And he has that demeanor too of like, oh, everybody loves me, but I'm depressed. Yeah, he, he does have that Anthony Bourdain, not to make light of that, but uh you know, yeah, he does 100%. have that demeanor. Now that it's one of those things where, okay, so that's where you would put Harry. That's where we, where we would put Hermione. Where would you put somebody like Seamus? Like, if you have, if you wrote it, let's jump into it, if you wrote it. Yeah. If you wrote it, what does Seamus' whole story arc look like for you? From the start of Harry Potter to the time it ended, go through what you would say Seamus' life is like. <laughs> okay, so... Uh... I, if I were wrote it, and I feel really comfortable talking about what Seamus would do after he graduates, because mm-hmm. I don't know how I could do Seamus justice in terms of like his Max, what he you does as, well. as a Hogwarts mm-hmm. student without stepping on the story. Like one thing that I think sometimes we forget is just how many moving parts there are in each of these stories and how, you know, we, like I always felt like we didn't get enough time with Sirius, but that would only take away from time with other characters. So with Seamus, uh, well, Seamus's strength to me was that he couldn't be embarrassed. Like every time he messed up, it was an explosion and he didn't give a fuck. He would just explode the next thing the next day. So if, Okay, so Seamus, in an ideal world, he feels really good about his involvement with Dumbledore's army. I mean, I think, like, in all the books before Dumbledore's army, before uh, Half-Blood Prince, it's Half-Blood Prince, right? No, that's Order of the Phoenix. So uh, before that, I think that Seamus does a really good job, or, like, he's – he's in it the right amount and he's doing the right things. Like he's friends with Dean. He's on the periphery. He Dean and Seamus are the stand-ins 
for the Gryffindor boys that we don't see that often. Like we Neville's like in the in between zone, and then we spend most of our time with Ron and Harry, and then Hermione and uh, and Lavender Brown's like the stand-in for the girls, and also like the Patil twins. It's like okay, so there's girls in Gryffindor that we don't see that much. There's boys in Gryffindor that we don't see that much. Um, but in so if he excelled at um, in terms of the Department of Mysteries rather than just being like a contributing player. So if he excels, I, I still don't think he makes sense as an aura. I think that Seamus probably, I think he's like an explorer. I think that if you look at his mindset of never being embarrassed, maybe he's like an investigative journalist. Like he's going around the wizarding world, sticking his neck into situations and trying to find out more. I mean, he's definitely a Gryffindor. So like he, he is a Gryffindor. So you got to go. Okay. So we know his skill sets are okay. I got something for you. I think I figured out, I think Seamus has the perfect skill set to be involved in comedy. Like, I don't know if he's a comedian or if he's just like a and a manager or a producer or something. Mm-hmm. But like his two skills are that he's brave and he never feels embarrassed because he blows stuff up. Okay. still not embarrassed. Doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he could be like a boxer or he could be a, a comic. Like, yeah, I think I don't, I think that Seamus, yeah, I think he's a comedic actor. I think Seamus Finnegan yeah. I think that he figures out like how to be like a, a Will Ferrell of the wizarding world. And he just does. Yeah. I think that's, that's his wheelhouse is that he just does goofy uh, shit. See, for me, I would start it with, first of all, Seamus would have a much bigger role, especially if we're going into a story that's going to have any type of war, I would make Seamus involved. He would be a hired arsonist for the (laughs) ministry of magic. No, seriously. Because you need people in demolition. I would have him, he would be head of demolition. But all of his explosions are by accident. Head of the demolition. <laughs> Just go here and be yourself. And blow stuff up. Head okay. of demolition. And I would have made him, because he's um one of those rattly characters, I would have put him in a position where he had to pick a side immediately. You know what I'm saying? On some, you can you get the opportunity to run Voldemort, or you get the opportunity to fight with us. But it's a lot more aggressive than what we saw in the actual books. When I was a kid reading the books, I was so mad at Seamus for being wishy-washy about supporting Harry. But Me too. Now, but now, though, I I mean, I get it. Like he just you get have it. access to that much information. Like, eh, fam, it, it's it's so crazy how this experience gets to show you everything because you thought Seamus was just crazy for not believing Harry back then. Now we in a situation where you got so many sources of media, you don't even know what to do with it. They only had, they were only getting three different sources of media and look at how crazy they went. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and Seamus was like gung ho and supportive Harry after the department of mysteries. As soon as he saw from him and Dean Thomas, which shocked me, I had to look that up and I saw how loyal Dean Thomas was. And I was like, man, we kind of give him a bad rap on here for how him and Jenny turned out, but he seemed like a very down character. That don't mean he doesn't have yeah. duality, but it seemed like a very down for the cause kind of character. No, they were definitely, they definitely belonged in Gryffindor. They made mm-hmm. sense in Gryffindor. They weren't like, for all of Seamus' faults, he never shied away from siding with Harry because he was scared. He was never right. scared. I mean, he might have been scared, but he never let that dictate his decisions. Mm-hmm. It was really just that he didn't believe Harry because, you know what? I would be a little annoyed, too, also, if I was a Gryffindor. I'm mm-hmm. a Gryffindor boy, and Harry doesn't want to hang out with me. Like, oh, you want to just hang out with Ron and Hermione? Like, it's a little – Harry's a little bit elitist, and I also think the Harry's – squad. Oh, for sure. No, they are – that group is a little bit elitist. Like, Neville was mm-hmm. trying to be their friend for seven years. Before now, Ron they- kind of makes sense because Ron never had the chance to be elitist. Yeah. Because of how the Weasleys are probably looked at by a lot of people, so that kind of makes sense. And the you know crazy? Who, 
Did Ron even have friends outside of his family? Uh, well, I mean, besides like Harry and Hermione, you mean? Before he got to Hogwarts. I don't think that they were hanging out with other wizarding families that much. Like, I think they did all their shit wow. in-house. Because, like, Fred and George, they're good friends with Lee Jordan, but it doesn't seem like Lee Jordan's ever been to their house. Uh, like, they're weird about Floor when she shows up. Like, that family doesn't really trust anybody who's not at least in Order of the Phoenix. Like, you have to be in the Order of the Phoenix to be their friend. Like, they don't really... Remember how oh, shitty see, Ron like, is to Luna initially? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, I was going to say, it's funny where people's mind go, because see, your mind went there, and I was like, oh, it's because they're poor. But they're kind of elitist, too. Remember all the emphasis Molly puts on them being Gryffindors, on them being head boy and girl when the opportunity presents itself? Like, but See, this is why I acknowledge it to being, to relating to when you're poor. This is somebody who's been there, is there. But... It's one of those things where you understand sometimes that's the only thing you have to hold on to, right? So you have to be smart because that can get you out of the other thing, right? Mm-hmm. You have to be, um, you take pride in certain things. Like you look at folks that come up in um, similar, like I come up, that block, that territory, however big, have a small means everything to those folks. They'll do anything for it. They'll do anything for its reputation. They'll do anything for its name. They'll do anything to keep it in positive light. Anything meaning anything. So a lot of times it comes from you can't find pride in anything else, but a couple of things that you can control is, okay, if somebody says something crazy about this place, I can say something crazy, or I can make sure they don't say anything crazy again. Or if you're like Molly and them, we're not having everybody at, her, at our house because we might not be the most proud of our house. You know what I'm saying? Because they still think that they're poor. And Ron's still sensitive about it. There's times when Harry goes, like, buy him something. He's like, you know, nah, I'm good. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I don't know. I think it's um, I think it might be a comp- combination of both things, depending on when you catch the Weasleys. I think so, too. I think that mm-hmm. them being poor definitely informs what they are elitist about. Um, and you got to, I mean, that is, like, a thing just in the world is people who are poor and are aware that they're poor, they find other things to be proud of. And you yep. see some families like the Weasleys are proud of the best possible things that mm-hmm. somebody could be proud of. And then some, a family like the Gaunts are proud of the worst things that a family can yes. be proud of. 100%. And it's rooted in it, but it, the desire to feel proud about something is in both cases is coming from it all comes from the same place and i think once people take a chance to realize that part will all be a little bit better once you realize your quote-unquote good thought isn't so much different or didn't come from a different place than somebody's quote-unquote bad thought we might do better but again we're just part of the podcast (laughs) we don't know what we're talking about i mean i think like to even further that I think that that's an example of how much in the world is just environmental because yes. there's not a giant difference between Ginny and Voldemort's mom. The difference is yes. the environment around them. Like they're actually Ooh. pretty similar people. I mean, you look at how much Ginny falls for Tom Riddle, you know, who does Tom Riddle look they like? Tom Riddle senior. Yeah. Huh? They're both just looking for love. And they're looking for love in somebody that's who they a great deem episode better we should than. do for the Patreon. Let's, let's do that for the Patreon. Let's do an episode where we talk about the redeeming qualities of Lord Voldemort. Yeah. Okay. And, and why he shouldn't have been as vilified as he is. And here's why we're going to do that episode. Because you see all the other people that, at least in society, and when I talk about these people, I'm talking about a very, very small group, right? But I find them very annoying. Like, they'll tell you, oh, you know, somebody like a insert table person, Dylan Roof or whatever. Oh, well, when you this is why they're this way. This is why they're that way. So, let's go back and let's do that same type of ridiculousness for Lord Voldemort, <laughs> and let's put it on Patreon. And guys, if you'd like to listen, we have a Patreon, the Potterhood uh, Podcast. I think that's what it's called, right? Yeah. Check us out. You know what I mean? Talk to us. So, uh, this this is a thing that really it hurts my heart to have to even have this as a topic, mm-hmm. but uh, 
Nico and I are big fans of Kanye West music. Uh, Kanye West is running for president, and uh, I I know I have a lot of feelings about it about it. So I was thinking that we could discuss it in terms of what it reminded us of in the Harry Potter series. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm ready. And so I was thinking about that all day mm-hmm. and uh, it, a couple of things. So I think that the, th- the first thing that came to mind was Gilderoy Lockhart and just Gilderoy Lockhart wants to be as famous and renowned as he can. Mm-hmm. So he steps into a field that he knows nothing about defense against the dark arts mm-hmm. and uh, tries to excel at that just because he's just trying to grow the brand of Gilderoy Lockhart. But the other, so I think that's like on the surface level, but then the other thing it reminded me of, and this is, I guess a little bit more generous of a reading in for Kanye. Cause I love Kanye. So I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to compare him to Gilderoy Lockhart, even if he might deserve to be, but I think this might also be a little bit more fair. I think it reminds me of the King of the Giants siding with Voldemort because he grew up as a giant and the giants are a persecuted population in the world of Harry Potter. And this giant, the King of the Giants uh, is kind of an idiot. I mean, all giants are idiots. Yeah. Yeah. And he just knows that's not that. generalizing at all. <laughs> I mean, according to JK Rowling, JK Rowling has had enough uh, heat she doesn't need giants coming after <laughs> her. You don't want to get the giant. <laughs> but, uh, get the giants on uh. But yeah, like, the giants understand that they're persecuted, and the king of the giants is like, I want a better world for giants. Yeah. And uh, it's one of those things where he makes only his thing matter. And, yes. And from the outside looking in, that doesn't make any sense. But when you find out how they've been treated, it makes perfect sense. I mean, man, I have a... I started a new podcast called One Piece of Mind. Cheap plug, but if you're an anime fan, I'm an anime nerd, and One Piece is my favorite anime, and I have podcasts about that. And there's a group in there. They're called the Fishmen, right? Now, Fishmen are just as described. They're fish people, and they want to live above and the surface and whatnot, but some people in the One Piece community, they're called Celestial Dragons. They're like at the highest highest up politicians. They own fishermen and slaves and the whole nine yards, right? Just because they're different. So there's one fisherman we meet in the early in the early arcs of One Piece, and he's evil as fuck, hates humans, right? Treats us like we're we ain't shit and you hate that character and you kinda hate fishmen. Then later in the arcs, like ten years later, you find out that that guy, you see how he was treated by humans. And then it all makes sense. And all that hatred that you had for him, you kind of lose that. So again, it goes back to something that we said earlier, of uh, trying to understand these people that you go against. And look, I'm, I'm, I'm a hypocrite when it comes to stuff like this. I'm bad at it too. You know what I mean? But when you really think about it, once you can't change anything until you understand it. Mm-hmm. If we could all get better at doing stuff like that, I think we'd be better off. But to um, what you're saying, I uh, hmm, I think Kanye is more most like. I actually think he's most like Seamus uh, Finnegan. Hmm. Wonder why I say that? Because Seamus is one of those blows up things by accident and we don't really know that's his intention and everybody that's close to him seems to know that he does this all the time but even they're confused by it every now and again so because i want to think i don't know kanye of course i want to think kanye's heart is in the right place i want to think that he doesn't know how to explain his points and i want to think that we overestimate his points a lot of the time you know but um it's not my job to like, I can't explain Kanye West. I think people should stop trying to explain Kanye West. I get tired of the folks that say, oh, well, Kanye's off his meds. How the fuck do you know that? But all you know, Kanye could be saying this thing on the meds. You've never seen a, you've never seen a side-by-side. Yeah. 
You don't know that. So stop speaking on what you don't know and just let people be who they are. I'm one of those folks that people are like, well, we need to, like, in the community, oh, we need to get rid of Kanye. No, I'm good. And the reason I'm not getting rid of Kanye is because on the opposite side, they don't get rid of their people for saying crazy stuff. Yeah. So if all he did was say something crazy and he ain't hurting anybody and he's just living his life and he's trying to be positive, let him say what he wants to say. Well, the the big difference for me between Seamus and Kanye is that Mm -hmm. Seamus learns from his, like he gets humbled by, so Kanye does a weird thing where Kanye will acknowledge when he's done the wrong thing, but Mm -hmm. then he'll do the exact same thing the exact same way two Every time. Yes. Seamus eventually comes around and goes, oh, I should never have doubted Harry I, you know, I learned my lesson. You know what is actually and he rightfully apologizes. You're right. You know, which character doesn't learn from their mistakes in the exact same way as Kanye Dumbledore. Dumbledore mm. does the exact same thing. I mean, even as an 80 year old man. Yeah. He's putting on the, uh, the ring and cursing his arm and getting himself killed. Like he just They're doesn't power learn. obsessed running for, pro- I think yeah. he won. Yeah. I think you won. Editing a round of applause right there, Max. I think we'll want. Very good. Thank you. I think that there's the Dumbledore aspect. I also think that uh, Kanye's just not as cerebral as Dumbledore. I think that – so there's like a blend of a couple of things going on. And they both wear basically the same clothing. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Dumbledore was wearing Yeezys before Yeezys. Brother, we made it. We made it to the end of episode... 15 of the quarantine. 15 of the quarantine. So, brother, who we sorting? How are we closing we're this sorting, We're sorting the summer of 2020. This, we're we're nearing the, the of end of it. It's, it's been weird, but... yeah, I'm going to sort this into hell. That's why I'm going <laughs> to sort it. I'm going to sort it straight to hell. Hell. H-E-L-L. H-F-I-L. If you're an anime fan like I am, Dragon Ball Z, shout out. But, um... I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I don't like it at all for so many reasons. But I'm putting it in hell. I'm putting it right there. Wherever Voldemort's little shriveled up shrimp body ended up, I'm putting it right there under that seat in the last movie. That's why I'm putting 2020 <laughs> riding and wiggling because it was terrible. Yeah, that, that's why I put it. I, I agree with you about that. The, Straight to hell. Especially yeah. like Voldemort at Platform 9 and 3 quarters, that little part of his soul. That's that, 100% yep, that's the summer. Now, I yep. do want to support like all the people hanging in there and like wearing God masks and just all that shit is Gryffindor. Yep. All the people that have been trying their best to, you know, be safe and, you know, care about other people during mm-hmm. this shit. Yeah, let's shop, let's shop them out. And Straight all up. the people that have been in denial about it, squibs, for sure. And not even like, Filches. I'm not even saying like, fuck you, you're a squib. I'm more saying like a squib, like, or even like muggles, like muggles just denying that magic is real. Really like a squib that's in denial about magic being real. Yeah. So it's like kind of like a filch thing going on, that kind of thing. Um, and by the way, I looked it up. Obscurial is the term. For everybody, if you if you listen to the whole thing, you got to hear us. You know the cathartic moment where we went, oh, obscurial. That was the word we were trying to remember forty minutes if ago. If you stayed this long, we want you to know that we appreciate you like no us. Oh, I'm sure. putting um twenty twenty in hell. Will will you sorting it? I'm. I agree with you. Platform He's nine three quarters in, in the Voldemort thing in the Voldemort yeah. body. So, ladies and gentlemen, we want to thank you for listening to us for episode 15 of the quarantine of the Potterhood podcast. We hope if you're from the sound of our voice that you're all right. We're glad to be a part of your um, day to day. And we're going to keep turning out these episodes. Uh, we turn out these episodes. Keep your ears open for another high cast coming soon. And Will, where can they find you? You guys can, uh, can hit me up on Instagram at Will Posden. And uh, yeah. Thanks for, for continuing to do that. There you go. Max, where can they find you? They can find me on all social media at Max Marcus Comedy. There you go. And ladies and gentlemen, you can find me on Instagram 
at Nico White 93. That is at N-E-K-O-W-H-I-T-E-9-3. Find me on Twitter at Nico underscore White 93. I have an album out. It's titled Marcellus, M-A-R-S-C-E-L-L-U-S, available on iTunes and anywhere where you can get um music. And if times are hard right now and you don't really want to spend any extra money, just reach out to me on Instagram, Facebook, wherever you can. And... I'll send you the tra- albums and tracks myself completely for free. And if you need an album cut up, Max Marcus was the man who cut up my album. So make sure you go in and shout out Max. Ladies and gentlemen, I have another podcast. It's called One Piece of Mind with Nico White. If you're an anime fan like One Piece, go listen to that. And I think that's it for my spiel. Will, what were you about to say, bro? I was just about to say, and what about if they're also anime fans? What, what else uh, could they... Fine. Funny that you would mention that, brother, because I have a podcast. <laughs> it's not a one piece of mine. It's about the anime One Piece. But ladies and gentlemen, this is my first baby in the podcast world, which means it's the best one. Long live the Podhood podcast. We love y'all. And Will on three. One, two, three. Mischief managed. managed.